Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you Hallelujah. Before we, before we get into the word, we're going to be sharing some announcements at the end, and we just want to welcome everyone, obviously, and I know we have some guests here, and we just welcome all the guests, and we're just grateful <clears throat> to be uh, together in, in, in this gathering as uh, here we are made up, the house of the Lord, amen? amen, and that his glory would rest over us. I believe that we have a, a word that is going to um, encourage and bless us, but uh, I want to get into something here real quick, because this is a week five um, of our series, Win the World Within. And I know that I have been um, extremely challenged and blessed uh, by our series, Win the World Within. Hopefully you have as well. And um, just to kind of give you an understanding of where we're at, and I'm going to have someone come up here and share in the midst of my message uh, a testimony or a word even of encouragement to anyone that may need to hear this. But um, just to go into this, week one, we spoke about love life. How many of you remember that? Um, it was a very uh, important introduction to our series because after this, we had a fasting and prayer throughout the week. We got together and we had a, ser- a midweek uh, prayer service here on Wednesday, and it was a powerful moment. And then on Saturday, um, we had our prayer walk alongside um, the, the organization called Love Life, and it was really just a, a special time, a special week and weekend for our church as we launched our series. Um, and that was in week one. And I know that for me, it was a tremendous blessing and a perfect way to introduce this. Week two, we spoke about win within. And we looked into James chapter four. And in James chapter four, we had to answer some very hard questions like, what is really going on within me? Um, We asked to really gather your thoughts and really look within and ask this and answer this question. Are you truly healthy inside? Are you truly healthy within? That was week two. Week three, uh, we spoke about win and contentment, and that was the weekend right before Thanksgiving, and we spoke about that in whatever state that you are in, that you will learn, like Paul says, you've learned to be satisfied, to content, to be content. I know there was a whole bunch of other points and stuff that we discussed in all these messages, but that was pretty much the highlighted part, to be satisfied in all those things, and we spoke about what that looks like starting from within. And then last week, we shared a message titled, Beat the Bully, Beat the Bully. And we searched our self-worth by truly defining um, our self-esteem and our self-concept and seeing where that's lined up with what God says over us. And and week four was was a very, uh, for me, very powerful and very much needed uh, message. Just for me, it it was much needed. So if you've been listening closely you've seen how each message, each message is significantly important for the next one. Um, it's bridged together. They're all connected when you look at it from a broader perspective. So to, to, to get a greater grip even on today's message, um, take time and maybe re-listen if you already have. And if you have not, take time and listen to those last four messages, even though you're jumping into this uh, fifth message. Uh, sermon uh, title of, of this series. Just take time to do that because I believe that um, if you open up your heart, God wants to do a, a true, uh, just a supernatural work within every single one of us, within every single 
one of us. Amen? So in week one, as we launched the Love Life and we titled our message Love Life and all that, we had Love Life come up here and we talked about the sanctity of life. And today we had a special, um, we had something special happen in, in our huddle where one of our sisters kind of said, look, you know, in week one, when you guys started to speak about the sanctity of life and all that, I, knew, I went home and I was in tears because I knew that I needed to share something. So I feel like right now is the right time for us to share it. And uh, she was able to uh, share uh, what I believe it's a beautiful testimony and a beautiful work of God. And maybe someone here needs to hear that if it's for one person. Maybe it's someone that's going to listen to this message throughout the week. Maybe they're going to listen to this message in a few months. Uh, but we're going to keep this testimony in the, in the middle of this message because we believe that it's uh, freeing, it's liberating. And um, I just gonna, I'm going to call her straight to come up here. And I want you to truly just hear uh, a, a beautiful work of God and the beauty behind um, how God moves when we don't even understand. Amen? So let's give her a hand. I don't have a mic for you. So sorry. But we'll get you a mic. <laughs> no, no, we'll get you a mic. Okay. Good at talking, guys, so bear with me. Um, November 7th was when Love Life came here, and they shared, you know, their stories of what they do. Um, that that day really touched me because I didn't I didn't know how to share it and today I guess finally God said okay today's the day because pastor called upon you in Hodo so you need to share that testimony so they they gave a story about a girl who went in and they say you know she had her she had filled out her little uh, clipboard with all her information and stuff and they were able to save, the, save that baby by speaking to the girl and so forth, and that baby went on and had a beautiful life. Well, on November 7th, when Love Life was here, uh, 34 years ago, that was me. That was me with that little clipboard, and, and back then I wasn't, you know, I, I believed in God, I wasn't so involved in the church and stuff, but I was in a bad place, and, and I wasn't ready to have another child, I already had one. And I walked into that clinic by myself. I had my clipboard. I was praying. I'm like, I God, I don't want to do this, you know. But I don't know how else to get away from this, you know. Back, uh, this was like in the 80s I'm talking about. So things weren't as advanced as they are today. And there was not as much help as there is today. And I sat there and I prayed. I filled out my paperwork. And when my name was called, I went up and I handed the girl the clipboard. And I was like, I can't do this. I just can't do this, and I walked out of there in tears. So on that day, 34 years ago, I heard that story, and my son today now has six children. So I am blessed to have the four children that I now have, and grandma of 10 going on 11. So I am very grateful, and just to know that God forgives, and he is good. And no matter what situation you're in, just, just keep them in here. Even if you're not going to church every day and you're not, you know, oh, my God, I don't read the Bible. I'm not really as religious. But you have them in here, and he will put you through anything. So believe in that because it can happen. And forgive yourself because I have forgiven myself, and I know God has forgiven me as well for even intending to do that. I felt bad, but I feel good, and I'm happy to share that with you. So if anybody's out there, know that God is here. And don't ever let that go. Keep your faith. Yeah. That's right, thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. 
tea pass me a water bottle there. Amen. So, so this is just a, a beautiful thing. <laughs> Two, three, no chatter. <laughs> this is a beautiful thing. Um, you know, when, as soon as you open up a situation, you know, let, let, me, let, me, let me be very heart open, <sighs> very honest from the heart here. Um, sometimes all that someone needs and what people need is, can we talk about the hard thing because there's something in me and everywhere I go, no one seems to want to talk about it. And the moment that we speak on it, it brings freedom to people. It's amazing when, when you have someone that's struggling with something and someone comes up and says, the Lord is doing this work and I'm struggling with this. It frees people in the room saying, oh my God, I thought I was, here I am condemning myself. But I have other people that I could share the struggle with. I have other people I could have conversation with. And um, I love that when we opened up Love Life, many stories like this are popping up because there's a community of people that have shared in this struggle, can relate to it, and um, truly uh, understand uh, that God is freeing and that God is not condemning and that God wants to do a work, uh, whether individuals have taken this action or have even thought about it at one point, that God is, uh, sees deep parts of the heart and wants to restore and heal. Amen? And um, that, that goes for ev- anything and everything in your life. These last four weeks have really been a challenge for us to look within and to be honest. And, um, and, and I want you to really consider this as we get into this message today. Because I believe that if we could just get to that point to recognize like, man, what is it that he's trying to say today? What is it that the word of the Lord is trying to speak into my life? Like open up your heart and really see if God is really poking at something and just what are you going to do from that point? From that point in where God is really confronting and bringing some things into the surface. And um, I was sharing this earlier, and um, I, we welcome you to join us for our 9.30 huddle. Something, sometimes, man, there's just a very, it's quick, but it's something special that happens within these 9.30 gatherings that we have here. But, but the truth is, throughout these weeks, um, God, is, God really wants us to be honest with ourselves and honest with him. And I was sharing that some of the greatest and most powerful moments of my life have been fighting my pride, my ego, humbling myself or allowing the Lord to humble myself so that I could be honest, even if it's honest in a struggle that I am shameful of. Anyone with me? Because most of us, what we do is we get into conversations and our conversations are very casual. How you doing? I'm doing good. How's the family? Family's doing great. The kids are growing up. This and that. How's work? Work out. You know, I don't like my boss and this and this. <laughs> and we have these, and there's, those are great conversations to have. Don't get me wrong. But what many of us lack, if not all of us, what we lack is having an individual or having that time where we could sit down and really just open up our lives and say, these are the skeletons that are inside. This is the truth of what's really living inside of me. And I just need to cry to you. And I need you just to hug me. And I need you just to listen to me. Or I need you just to speak to me. And we lack those conversations. And we lack having or building that with certain people that we could trust in our lives. And I pray that we would understand that that's what God wants us to do. That's what God wants for us. He wants to touch those areas, not the casual areas, or he blesses that, but those deep areas that you speak about only in your own mind. You know what I'm talking about? And I think God wants to do something special. I'm going to start off with a question. Can I do that? Go ahead and, and, and um, write this down on your notes. Uh, 
the first thing before I ask uh, the question is this. Write down the wor- these two words, power, struggle. It's a powerful word. Right? Write, write that down. That's, that's my message today. That's what it's titled, power, struggle. Look at the person next to you and say, power, struggle. Power, struggle. I will, I'll call, I will call some of you guys to come up here and arm wrestle. Arm wrestle each other or, or, or maybe, you know, we'll, we'll have a, a women's match and then a men's match and then a... But we would do a, 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 some sort of wrestling or arm wrestling and, and just see the power struggle between both opponents just trying to bring the other one down. And last week in Beat the Bully, we said, if we're honest, the, the greatest struggle and the greatest bully in our lives, it's ourselves. We're, we're battling with ourselves. We're going to continue with that thought uh, because that's what Win the World is about. So I want to start off by asking you this question, and you can write it down if you want. Take as much notes as you want. This is a great place to take notes, to go back and study your notes, not just throughout the week, but maybe a year from now, you go back to your notebook and you say, wow, look what God was saying last year. And it's a beautiful thing to do. Take notes. Amen? But here's the question. Have you ever been somewhere where you should have not have been? You know, you're there, you're in the moment, you're looking around and you're saying, I should not be here. For some of us, we're on the way. We're getting there. We got there. And that whole process, you know that you shouldn't be going, you should not walk in, and you shouldn't be inside. We've been there and... Every single one of us, we've been to the place, I shouldn't be watching this, I shouldn't be saying this, I shouldn't be with this person, I should not be in this situation, I should not be doing this. Have you ever been somewhere where you should have not have been? And be honest today, challenge, let the word challenge you today. If you, if you made your way over here today, make it worth. I shared this morning that if God wants to give you a gift, don't just hurry up like my son does on Christmas and rip something in the gifts. Okay, it's my next thing. Get next. And he throws the gifts away and it's just like we get upset. We're like, no, cherish the moment because there's a limit to the gift, son. And if you go too quickly, you're not going to understand the value of each gift. My, my, my children tend to do that because they're children. And, and, and they want to they rush through the gifts without valuing every single one. Value it because it costs money. My goodness. It emptied some bank accounts. You know what I'm saying? It, it really challenged us. Value it. Meaning, open it slowly. Enjoy the bowl. Enjoy the... I know you're asking too much of your eight-year-old. Too much of your five-year-old. Open the... Like, like open it and let it, be, let it surprise you. And then when you get it, look at all the details of it and open it slowly and value it and enjoy. Don't just rush today's gift for the next one and say, oh, last Sunday was good. This Sunday is great. Next Sunday I'll come back. No. What is it right now at this moment? What's the gift that God wants to give you? Treasure it and open the gift slowly. Amen? So come on, let's answer this question. Have you been somewhere where you know I shouldn't be here? And then what was the consequence or what was the, the effect of that? Did you have to pay for that after? Man, I had to pay for it because I shouldn't have been here. You know that you should be somewhere else, but you've decided on something different. And because of that, whatever you want to call it, so let's call it some things. Just speaking to myself today, okay? I'm not pointing to any of you. Because of that disobedience in me, because I didn't listen to the conscience that God gave me, because I didn't let the Holy Spirit lead me, I then didn't follow also what Scripture taught and teaches, well, then I ended up paying for it. Anyone in here with me? I just ended up paying for it. Because everything, all the tools and everything that God gave me, I ignored every single one. Because I felt like it was better for me 
to fulfill my pleasure, my own desires, my own wants. And God says, no, that's not my heart. That's not my will. That's not my purpose for you. And I end up paying for it. And it's not because God is a bad God and God is not faithful and he's not good. It's because I'm frail and weak and I fall often. And God says, I'm strong. I'm omnipotent. And what did I say right now as we ended service? And he is reigning and he's on a throne. Yesterday, he's there today. And guess what? If God gives you the chance to live tomorrow, he's going to be reigning on his throne even tomorrow. That's the power and that's the truth. So come on, be honest. Whose fault is it? Whose fault is that? That I, that we had to end up paying for it. Because you were battling. You've been there. We've gone over this for five, today's five weeks that we're talking about this. We're battling the voices within. We're fighting the flesh and the spirit. You're struggling with obedience and disobedience. Will I obey or will I disobey? Will I obey or will I disobey? If we could just be honest, come on. If you've ever had a power struggle, and it's a power struggle that's it's all on your own. It's, it, what I mean by this, it's you versus you. We have power struggles with other people. We have hard conversations with other people. We have fights with other people. Some of you in here are in fights with each other. There's power struggles. There's problems. There's always problems. But the greatest problem is us. If we look deep within, it's us. I'm, I'm here to tell you I am a problem. Come and do life with me for a little bit. And you'll see that I'm a problem. But I'm going to tell you that if you do that, I'm going to do life with you. And I'm going to see that you're a problem too. So we're both problems trying to figure it out. And we're wrestling. But I'm telling you today that it's a, a great power struggle within me. You're at war within. And I'm at war within myself. And according to your choice, according to your choice, you had to deal you have to deal with what gave evidence in the physical world. Please listen to this. What you sow and what you water in the spiritual will give evidence in the physical. You should write that down and you should know that. Because what I'm watering, what I'm sowing, it's going to give evidence in the physical world. I'm speaking about winning the world within you. And if you're losing the world within you, it's going to give evidence in the world around you. I'm, I'm, I've been trying to chew on this and let the juices come out as you chew on it in different ways every single Sunday. And, and I want you to really focus on that because you should be doing that. You, we should, us as a family, as a gathering, we should be focusing on the world within and what it will take for us to begin to win that world. And for some of us, let's be honest. Remember, we're talking about honesty and, and I, again, for me as well, the enemy is doing such a good job by distracting us. He's doing such a good job causing us all to, to, to use our energy to fight external wars. How many of you are using your energy to fight external wars? We're so caught up in the physical 
world on the external, physical, natural things in this current world that we can touch, that we've been blinded, have fallen short to notice that we are massively, everyone say massively, I love that word. Yeah, that we are massively losing in a very important battle, and that is the one in our inner lives. That is the internal spiritual world. You know, it's, it's that place where we try to fix the world around us, and we try to fix everyone's life, and we try to fix everything that is surrounding us. And then there's an alarm going off. Ah, 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 ah. I see that you're trying to do all this work around you, but you're failing inside the world, the world that is within you. You're, you're, you might be fighting and wanting to win this battle, but you're losing the greatest battle of your life, and that is staying healthy inside. Because that pollution is going to come out eventually. Amen. Our external, our external nonsense, my external nonsense, just being very honest, all it does is reveal our internal void, our internal failures. So when you, when you're acting in nonsense, when you're entertaining nonsense, when you're speaking nonsense, Think about this. Internally, I'm losing somewhere. Because the evidence is the nonsense that I'm creating. Amen? We've been saying this, and we'll continue to say it on our fifth week here in our series. Is your personal world the one that surrounds you affected? Remember this? Because the intimate world, the one within you, is infected. So let's ask the question one more time as we get into some scripture here. Have you ever been somewhere where you should not have been? You should have not have been. How did it work for you? How did it work out for you? Maybe we could say, hold on, wait, don't go too far. Maybe we could ask, how is it working out for you right now? Take time as we get into some scripture here. And evaluate inside for a moment. Should you be somewhere else? Are you experiencing a power struggle within? I want you to really think about that. And I want you to really be honest with yourself. Right now, right there where you're at. Am I somewhere where I should not be? What do I have to do today to start fixing that power struggle within me? Amen? The Apostle Paul writes about this. Often, but there's a famous scripture that he uses, and we're going to end with it if we have time. But the Apostle Paul writes about this, about his own personal power struggle. In your notes, write that down. Every character in the Bible, every character, it's hard not to find one. I would say the majority, because I can't say, because I have to like, go in depth and study every single one. But I would say the majority of every individual that we read in the Bible, God deals with their very own personal power struggle. You can start from the beginning, Adam, Eve, Abraham, Moses, uh, every single person, insignificant and significant characters in the Bible, men, women, doesn't matter. God is dealing with their very own personal power struggle. And then this man that we look up to, this man that has, God has used him to establish doctrine, theology, a man that we look up to and we love and we, we treasure his, his gift to the church. His name is Paul, the Apostle Paul. 
And what, what do we learn about Paul? Well, Paul has his very own personal power struggle. He gets very personal and transparent in his writing. In Romans chapter 15, verse 15, he says something like this. You've, re- you've heard this before. For I do not understand what I am doing. Can you? We've been there. I don't understand what I'm doing. You, you've gone up to someone and said, like, what are you doing? And they're like, I don't know what I'm doing. And you're like, yeah, you do. You know very well what you're doing. It's like, and Paul's like, for I don't understand what I'm doing because I do not practice what I hate. Romans 15, 15. Paul's like, Paul's like I'm, I'm fighting. And you're like, well, who, Paul? Who, who you got a problem with, Paul? Come on. Come on. And he's like, it's me. I'm the issue. I'm the issue. You know, sometimes people come and say, hey, I got your back, brother. I'm always here for you. Whatever you need, man. You know I'm, I'm with you. And I'm like, okay, let's fight. Because I got to... F- <laughs> Help me fight myself. Because most of my problems is not with people. Most of my problems is with me. <laughs> so you got my back? You want to fight with me? You, 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 you want to do, you do this? You, you really? Then come on, come into the ring because I, I, I'm fighting within me. I'm fighting this own personal power struggle within me. And Paul says, I don't understand what I'm doing. And I know very well what Paul means because there's been many of days that I've walked on this earth. And I'm like, I don't understand what I'm doing. I've pastored this church for 14 years as we're celebrating it this weekend. And I don't understand what I'm doing. And in 20-something years from now, I'm probably going to continue to say, I don't understand what I'm doing. Because there's this constant battle and fight within me. And I can't wait for the day that I go to reign with my king where I could say, the battle is over. The struggle is over. Now I'm truly made in the fullness of his glory here in eternity with my king but on earth i'm battling and i'm fighting and i'm going against myself why because the lord is showing me there's a greater glory in him and he's teaching me the greatest values of life he's teaching me stuff about myself so that i can be more into made into his image and his likeness there's a power struggle and paul understand that let's go to second samuel chapter 11 because he's not the only one. There's another man that we look up to. There's another man in scripture that we honor. There's another man in scripture that we've given him such a mighty title. Probably one of the greatest titles. I would probably say the greatest title given by God was to John the Baptist. Jesus says, there is no man greater on earth that is born of a woman than that man right there, John the Baptist. Obviously, he's excluding himself from that statement. He knows that he is... The greatest man that has ever lived on earth, born of a woman. But he's pointing to John the Baptist and he's pointing to some very things. But other than John the Baptist, there's another man that we like to describe him in a certain way. And we always say, well, David, David is a man after God's own heart. Yeah, he is. But with a lot of problems. I could tell you this, and I'm not trying to be on the platform of David. But I feel like I'm a man after God's heart. How about you? Do you feel like you're a man or woman after God's heart? I hope so. But with that heart after God, you got your own problems, don't you? (laughs) David is given this amazing title. A man after God's own heart. I think it was Abraham was a friend of God. He was a man after God's own heart. John the Baptist was the greatest man ever to be born of a woman. There's some great titles some of these men have. But here is this man, David. I'm going to start off in 2 Samuel chapter 11, if you could join me there. And we're going to see how much scripture we should read and all that, because 
I don't want to keep you here forever. Unless you're down with that and you want to stay longer, let me know. We'll, wait. we'll, we'll do a little flag or something. Like, go longer. We'll, we'll make it happen. But, but in 2 uh, Samuel chapter 11, if you're there, give me an amen just so I can know. Sorry about this, Mike. I'm just trying to figure it all out. I just like to have my hands free. It's the Cuban in me. All right. 2 Samuel 11 verse 1. We there? All right, here it is. In the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war. You read that? We're talking about David who was a king. During the time of warfare, when kings normally went to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. And they destroyed the Ammonite army and they laid siege to the city of Rabbah. However, everyone say however. Yeah. David, the man after God's own heart, doesn't say that there. But we know that's his a title that's been given to him. However, David, a man after God's own heart, he stayed behind in Jerusalem. I mean, did you catch a problem? Did you see something wrong already in just one verse? I did. When kings normally go out to war, first off, David sends someone else. Second thing that we see that's wrong is he stays behind. This king is supposed to go somewhere. Have you ever been somewhere where you shouldn't be? And then you're there, and while you're there, you're like, I really shouldn't be here. You know that's going to bite David somewhere. Because there's going to be a moment where he's going to look down the balcony, he's going to see something, he's like, hmm. And in that moment, I'm sure in his mind, he's like, I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be doing this. I shouldn't be saying this. I shouldn't be thinking this. I shouldn't be watching this. Like David would just stare at it. Bathsheba was there. Like he could have said, that's not, that's, I, that's not my wife. I shouldn't be doing that. That's my general's wife. I should walk away from that. I, should, I can't do that. That's my... That's my, that's, my, that's my boy's wife. But instead, he's like, wow. And he asks his servants, go check on her and see who she is. Have you ever been somewhere where you know you should not have been? And while you're there in the moment and it's enticing you and it's overwhelming you and you're burning deep inside, everything inside of you is telling you, run. You've seen that meme? Run. Run. <laughs> You get it, you get it. You, you, you should not be entertaining. And David is struggling. Let's go into this story for a moment. In verse 1, in that part of the world, the world that David is living in, wars, notice it's springtime, it's the time of warfare. Because wars are not normally fought during the winter months. There, there, was, there was rains and the cold weather. So it made the armies, it made it hard for them to travel and to campaign. It, it made it difficult. So fighting, when there was problems between kings, between nations, between armies, so on, fighting always resumed in the springtime. So all the problems that we got throughout the years, we're going to settle this during spring. And normally that was the time where the kings um, dealt with their beef, dealt with their problem. Because they knew that the weather and the conditions was not fair throughout the rest of the year. And then we see here in the scripture, David sends Joab, first mistake. Number two, he also remains at Jerusalem. David should have been out in the battle. But instead, what do we see about David? He remains home in his palace. In the chapter before, we don't have time to get into it, but if you study it when you get home, we're in chapter 11. But if you read chapter 10, you'll see that when David was in battle, there was great victory. We see David was in the battle with his men. And at the end of chapter 10, God is favoring them. 
and the Israelites are conquering and they have great victory. Now David is not in battle and stuff's going to happen. See, both through custom and through experience, God is telling David, God has told David, you need to be at the battle, but, everyone say but, but David remained at Jerusalem. God is telling David, you should be here, but David says, but I'm not going, I'm going to stay here. It's the battle within every single person in which God is telling you one thing, but you're counseling God in another thing. God, I get what you're telling me, but I think it's better here. Because when you and I read this story, for me, I think David did the right thing. Just reading it from a secular perspective, if you want, or ignorant of the scripture. Because think about it, they're at war. David dies, it makes sense for him to be home. Let his great... Okay, why? Because David is known for having mighty men. We hear about his stories. One of them fought a lion in a snowy day in a pit. One of them broke the Philistine um, line to get water broken and brought the water to David. David was so overwhelmed by their actions. Like, I can't drink the water that you almost died for. And he spills it. I mean, I would have killed him. I almost died for that. <laughs> like, these are men of David. So it makes sense that David stays home. Why? Let my mighty men fight for me. So that way, if something happens, at least I could continue to rule. The king is safe. Doesn't that make sense? Not if God doesn't say so. Nothing makes sense in the perspective of the world if it's against what God has spoken into someone's life. Nothing makes sense into the perspective of the world if it's against the word of God. Our first priority for, the, for man, for humankind, is to be obedient, fully obedient to the word of God. From the beginning all the way to the end. Not to justify it, not to add or take away any word from it. But to be faithful and obedient regardless of what the world says. I get that I might lose some people. And I get that this might cause problems between me and so and so. But I know one thing. I found favor in the sight of the Lord. Because I will choose to be obedient. That's a different attitude. So God says, David, you got to go to battle. It makes sense. Um, David says, no, I'm going to stay home. Makes sense, but not to God. Because at the end of the day, it was still wrong. It was not what David was supposed to do. Come on, I can't exhaust this question anymore. Have you ever been somewhere where you should have not have been? One may think that, man, he chose the right thing. But it was not the right thing. The right thing is to be where you're supposed to be. Not where you should not be. If you read the rest of the stories... The story of chapter 11, it brought a lot of problems. Something so simple, something that may seem so insignificant, but yet it was very important because it was not an issue about location. It was more an issue about David's heart. Like, come on, David, go to battle. David, stay home. Who cares about the location? It dealt with the obedience in his inner core. It dealt with the world within him. That's what it was dealing with. So sometimes God will call you to something and he's just going to see whether you'll do it because he wants to see if you're obedient. Though it, makes, though it makes no sense to your world or to the world around you. Huh? You with me? You there? You've been there? How's it going? How did it go? It's a power struggle and it brings problems if we're not surrendered to it. If you read chapter 11 and so on, we should know the story of what happens here. 
It says here late one afternoon after midday rest, David takes a little nap. He's energized. He's feeling good about himself. And what, he probably did a little exercise. His body's kicking. His heart is kicking. He's feeling good. And it says David got out of his bed. He's walking on the roof of the palace. As he looked over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. He sent someone to find out who she was. Look how it got deeper and deeper and deeper. And just like, you know what? You stared at it. It was already wrong. Like, go back to bed. But no, I'm going to go deeper into this. So he sent the woman to find out who she was. And he was told she's Bathsheba, the daughter of Iliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. And David sent messengers to get her. And when she came to the palace, slept with her, she completed the purification rites after having her menstrual period. And she returned home later. And when Bathsheba discovered that she was pregnant, she'd sent David a message. He says, <clears throat> you know, his phone went off. The ring. <laughs> she was texting me. It's weird. I haven't spoken to her for a few months. Maybe she wants to come back <laughs> to my chambers. <laughs> David's getting excited again. He opens his phone and says, King, um, remember that night? It's pretty good, but um, I'm pregnant. I mean, imagine David right there. Well, I'll tell you what happens. So David <laughs> reads this text message, I'm pregnant. And he sends word to Joab. He says, send me Uriah the Hittite. And when Uriah arrived, David asked how Joab and the, and the army were getting, a, getting along and how the war was progressing. And David told Uriah, go home and relax. <laughs> David even sent a gift to Uriah after he had left the palace, but Uriah didn't go home to sleep with his wife. It says he slept that night at the palace entrance with the king's palace guards. Uriah's a great man. He's one of David's great men. When David heard that Uriah had not gone home, he summoned him again and said, what's the matter? Why didn't you go home last night after being away for so long? David's nervous. David's dealing with his sin. David is dealing with the world, and David's world is shattering around him because his world within him is shattered. He's trying to fix the pieces around him. Maybe if I bring Uriah back and maybe if I tell him to go home, maybe if he sleeps with his wife, maybe there's a cover-up and then they could say that the child is his. Maybe, 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 maybe. And God's like, you fool, the problem is you. I'm trying to fix the world around me, David. David is the man after God's own heart. He's trying to fix the world around him and God is trying to fix the world within him. <laughs> man, I hope this is heavy on you. This is a beautiful word. And it says... He's, the planning doesn't stop. It gets deeper because he's David. And it says this. Why didn't you go home last night? And Uriah replied, the ark of the armies of Israel and Judah are living in tents. The ark and the armies. And Joab and my master's men are camping in the open fields. How can I go home to wine and dine and sleep with my wife? Any other man maybe? Thank you, David. You know I needed it. But he's like, how can I do that when my men are dying? Their life is on the line. And look what David says. Well, stay here then. And tomorrow you will return to the army. And Uriah stayed in Jerusalem that day and the next. And David invited him to dinner and got him drunk. And David, he couldn't get Uriah to go home to his wife, not even drunk. And David's, again, Uriah slept at the palace entrance with the king's palace guards. David is trying to fix it. And the, the more he tries to fix it, the, dig, the, the deeper he's digging his hole. It's like, uh, get drunk here, have another glass of wine, have another glass of wine, have another glass of wine, have another glass of wine. How's your wife look today, right? She's going to go home. And he's like, I'm not going home. Even if I'm drunk, I'm going to sleep drunk on the feet of your men. 
So David's sweating. David's worried. So the next morning, David wrote a letter and gave it to Uriah to deliver. And the letter instructed, saying, station Uriah on the front lines where the battle is fiercest. Pull back to his, and then, and then to his killed. So he assigned Uriah to spot close to the city wall where he knew the enemy's strongest men were fighting. And when the enemy soldiers came out of the city to fight Uriah, the Hittite was killed. Now he kills him. Okay, maybe this will work. Maybe if I kill him. You're so deep and trying to fix everything around that you're actually harming everyone. You just murdered? You just left a widow behind? I don't know. Like, were there kids there that left behind? You left them without fa a father? Like, you are really creating a bigger problem, David, all because you don't want to deal with your own problem. You guys see this? So, report all the news of the battle to the king, and you might get angry and ask, why did the troops get so close to the city? Didn't they know that they would be shooting from the walls? So on and so forth. Let's save some time. We see what happens here. We go on, and it continues to read in chapter 11, verse 26. When Uriah's wife heard that her husband was dead, this poor lady, David Look what he did to her. She mourns for her husband. And then when the period of mourning was over, well, David had to do, I well, guess what David had to do? He sent for her. And he brought her to the palace. And she became one of his wives. And she gave birth to a son. Come on, everyone, please listen to this. But the Lord was displeased with what David had done. Powerful scripture. Powerful story. Powerful struggle. It's a power struggle. Galatians chapter 5 verse 16 tells us a little bit of what David's going through. Can I read this to you? It says to walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the sh And that's what David's going through. David is walking and fulfilling the lust of the flesh and not necessarily walking in the spirit. Though he is a man after God's own heart. If we are honest here and if you were to rip your chest open, I am wondering and I am asking if you could be honest and admit if you are familiar with this, with not walking in the spirit, but fulfilling the lust of the flesh instead. This message is for all of us. Don't point at David. Don't be so harsh on David. When you have a man and a woman that looks right back at you in the mirror and says, you're just like that. In certain ways of your life, you can be just like that. David, like most of us, well, I guess we could agree he had an issue. But I don't want you to think, and I, I want to teach you a little something about David real quick, just so you can know, because I don't want to, I think this is even greater knowledge to know about David. I don't want you to think that this chain of events of adultery and murder is something that just began here. Because we tend to read scripture and be like, oh, if you open the door to the devil. And I'm going to tell you, I don't think this is David opening up a door to the devil. I think these are consequences from years of wrong that David has done. Power struggle that he's been dealing with for the rest of his life. You have something in your life that like, when is the Lord going to remove this from my life? And it's a constant power struggle. And he might never remove things from your life. But he might teach you how to continue to be victorious for the rest of your life over the things that have been given to you. Paul says that. It doesn't mean that you're not in victory. It means that you are in constant victory. It doesn't mean that you are a conqueror. It means that you are more than a conqueror. You, you are continuing the conquering. So David had his own problems, his own struggles, his own personal power struggle. 
Why do you say that? Well, I say that because I see, and you see, we see glimpses of David's struggle in 1 Samuel chapter 25. I'm not going to read it for the sake of time, but for your notes, 1 Samuel 25, 42 and 43. We also see it in 2 Samuel chapter 3, verses 2 through 5. David showed his disrespect, or maybe um, a better word would be his disregard. He shows his disregard to God's plan for marriage and years before he took more than one wife. I love how one commentary puts it. I'm going to quote the commentary. David's practice of adding wives showed a lack of romantic restraint and an indulgence of his passions. Listen to this. The corrupt seed sown long ago grew unchecked long enough and it would bear bitter fruit. And it goes on to say this. As I think of what happened of this, I am sure that it did not happen all at once. This matter of Bathsheba was simply the climax of something that had been going on in his life for 20 years. Pause for a moment. Thanksgiving, I had a great conversation with someone who's a a godly godly person, a, a godly couple. I was just having a weird conversation, actually. And I said, man, you know what? It just, we started speaking about stuff. And I said, it just wows me. Like, I don't understand, like, what happened with certain things and certain people. Like, how this stuff just, uh, I don't want to get too into that, you know. And the wife looks at me and says, no, you know, I don't think it's that. I think that the reason why we see the place where people are at today, it's because they finally just came up to the surface and got exposed to show that it's who they've always been. And I just looked at them and I said, wow, you're right. They gave in to that which they've always been. And I started, it started to really, I started to process that and think about that even within my own life. What are battles that I'm battling that I can't allow them to conquer me? You see what I'm saying? And this is why we're in this series. Because here's David And what he did right there in that moment with Bathsheba, it was not just, oh, a sporadic moment of sin. It was something that maybe was in his heart and caring for 20 years or so. And in this series, maybe today, right now, today, we need to surrender. Surrender to the negative, to the harmful, sinful, carnal things that we're struggling with. With the things that are inside. I wrote this down. Maybe it means something to you. If David had his attention where God wanted it, He would never put it where God didn't want it. Staying home in David's life from the battle, all it did for David was provide opportunity for something that was was in his life for a long time. It was a long-lasting lack of this sexual restraint, this indulgence of passion to display itself. As we're speaking about power struggle, I want to check in with something related to this, and, 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 and that's this personal power. I I keep talking about a a personal power struggle, but I want to break down personal power. Everyone say personal power. Last week, we talked about self-concept and self-esteem and all those things make up your self-worth. And some of us are dealing with our self-worth because negatively, because we have low self-esteem and negative self-concept. And because of that, our self-worth is in shambles. Amen? I mean, not amen, but amen. So be it. You know what I mean? But today... I want to talk about personal power, and then we'll, we're going to come, and after I describe personal power, we're going to wrap all this up. Personal power is important 
Personal power, hopefully you wrote that down already, is not how physically strong you are. Because we already know that David was a mighty warrior. Yes or no? I mean, he had already destroyed Goliath. He had already won many battles. He had already put Saul to shame. Like, I am, the, he's the king. But in that very moment, there was not a warrior in him. David was a mighty warrior, but at the moment where he needed to fight his greatest battle, he couldn't fight it. How many of you are mighty warriors? But you've fallen short at times when it's time to fight your greatest battle to actually fight it. I mean, we could all relate to that. And the Lord wants to check in on our own personal lives or the world that's within us because the reason why we didn't come through, well, what's really going on with you inside is what the Lord is telling us. And he wants to check our personal power because it's not necessarily how physically strong you are. We're in a ministry and we're in a church so we can understand to some of the language and some of the culture of church. We've seen great men great build, great, uh, build great ministries. And we see instantly from one second to another, boom, a fall of man. And everything is shaken. Because then we find out the stories behind their fall. And all we could say is that wasn't just a sporadic thing. The reason why that's revealed is because for years down the road, it was something that they've been dealing with. We don't have to name names and all that because that's not the heart of what we do. But we all could come and understand that. So it's not about how physically strong you are. It's more about how capable you are in getting your needs met in desirable ways. But as Christians, it's really about getting our needs met in godly biblical ways. Personal power is the capability that you have to influence the conditions in your life. So we spoke last week about that our personal power, well, as we spoke last week, and we could um, relate personal power to last week's message, our personal power is influenced by our self-concept, by our self-esteem. And our overall self-worth dictates how we treat ourselves. If you have low self-worth, you're not going to treat yourself well, and you're definitely not going to treat others well. It dictates how you treat yourself, how you treat others. When I start treating people wrong, it's because I'm dealing with stuff. It's not because of anything they did against me. I'm a fool. I got things going on inside of me. So this personal power is the things that we do that will meet our needs and the needs of others. And at the end of that, what I do will help build me up or help build up others. Help build up my self-concept and self-esteem or help build up your self-concept of self-esteem. I can hang out with you and in five minutes I could destroy your self-esteem. I could destroy your self-concept. Or because I'm healthy, I could build up your self-esteem and I could build up your self-concept. I could build up your self-worth. We have that power. Oh, I don't know if that's biblical. Yes, it is. The Bible says that the tongue, there is power in the tongue of man. It is the oar of the ship. It, it dictates where the ship will go. Your tongue has power. You could give life with that same tongue and you could give death with it. You with me? So as we speak about personal power, I want you to think about this. Think about your personal power struggle. Is it positive or is it negative? Positive personal power means we do things to meet your needs and the needs of others in ways that are productive positive and healthy to all when you need your needs met is it productive and healthy for everyone that's involved and for yourself negative personal power is the things that we do to meet our needs and the needs of others in ways that are destructive 
I want you to think about personal power. You think about David. His personal power was destructive. Personal power is a real thing. And it was destructive. And it was destructive specifically for himself. And because his personal power was destroying himself, guess what else it started to do? It started to seep out of him. It started to pour out of him. The pus started to seep out of his pores. I can't describe any imagery more disgusting than that. (laughs) And as it was seeping out of him, it was destructive for him and it was bubbling up and it started to come out of him and then it was also destructive for Bathsheba it was also destructive for Uriah it was also destructive for the child that she would even give birth to because if you keep studying the story she gives birth and the child dies why would he die? because of David's negative personal power and there's a lot of stuff that David was dealing with he gave in to the wrong personal power in his struggle that would have an effect for the rest of his life. So I'm asking you today as we get into this and as we're digging deep within our hearts, man, make sure that you're exercising and giving in to the positive personal power and not the negative one. Why? Negative personal power is to control you and it destructs you. Positive power is to help you where it becomes beneficial, where it helps everyone involved. He used his personal power. He was a king. He was a man of authority. He was a man who people would bow down to him. His voice, whatever he said they would do. He used his personal power and it brought forth something alarming in his life. All right, we're going to wrap this up. And I'm going to make all the points make sense. Everyone turn to chapter 12 because I feel like there's something that happens here. Now when I read it, I said, oh my God. I need to share that with the church. So you know everything that David has done. You know what God's dealing in his heart. You know the years of David. I mean, he's still a man after God's own heart. Don't knock him solo. God's still going to bless him. Hey, guys, real quick, because I feel like I don't want you to leave here with a bad picture of David. You know when Jesus was walking into a town, you know what they would call Jesus, right? All right, just make sure you know that. Don't, Don't bury him so much. Because the Lord still honored his goodness and his faithfulness, his worship. And though he had a condition in his life that he was dealing with, it doesn't make him any different than you. Because you need to believe that when you allow the Lord to do the work in your life, okay, you're also going to be honored by God. Amen. David, I mean, Jesus was called the son of, can you imagine that? The son of David. He related, they re- re- relate Jesus to David. So, so don't bury him too deep. He's, he was a great man. But we could all relate to him because he's not God. Chapter 12, verse 1 says, So the Lord sent Nathan the prophet to tell David this story. I love this. Hey, David, can I talk to you? Yes, Nathan. <laughs> there were two men in a certain town, David. One was rich and one was poor. The rich man owned a great many sheep and cattle. The poor man owned nothing but one little lamb he had bought. He raised his little lamb and it grew up with his children. He ate from the man's own plate. The the lamb ate from the man's own plate and drank from its cup. He cuddled in his arms like a baby daughter. And one day a guest arrived at the home of the rich man. But instead of killing an animal from his own flock or herd, he took the poor man's lamb and he killed it and prepared it for his guest. 
So David says, David, it says, was furious. And he speaks out. You've ever, you've ever spoken out and shh. Process it. Don't just think so quickly. Shh. Don't just speak. Think it over. Let the words digest. Like, let it settle. Don't just act. You're going to get into yourself into bigger trouble. So what does David do? As surely as the Lord lives, he vowed, any man who would do such a thing deserves to die. He must repay for the lambs to the poor man, for the one who stole, and for having no pity. Let's go get this man. Verse 7, Nathan said to David, um, you are the man. David at the end, oh. He says, you are the man. The Lord God of Israel says, I anointed you, king of Israel, saved you from the power of Saul. I gave you your master's house, his wives, the kingdoms of Israel, Judah. And, and if that had not been enough, I would have given you much, much more. Why then have you despised the word of the Lord, done this horrible deed? For you have murdered Uriah with the sword of the Ammonites and stole his wife. From this time on, your family will live by the sword because you've despised me by taking Uriah's wife to be your own. Come on. This is what the Lord says. Because what you have done, I will cause your own household to rebel against you. I will give your wives to another man before your eyes. And he will go to bed with them in public view. But verse 12 is awesome. Listen to this. You did it secretly, David, but I will make this happen to you openly in the sight of all Israel. So, so you read this and you get what the Lord is saying to David. You, you see the heart and you see what God wants to do. He's basically telling David, because of what you've done in the secret place, the world within you, it's going to give birth to the world around you and everyone's going to see it. What I'm trying to tell you is this, church. We've been five weeks now in, speaking about the world within you and the Lord is just talking to you and talking at your heart and really trying to rip and tear things inside of you. And all of this to tell you, hey, let's Deal with the world within you because if you don't, eventually it will become the world around you. It will show in your world and in plain sight for all to see. And it's not because I'm a bad God. It's not because I'm a faithful God. It's not because I have turned my back on you. It's because I love you and I need to expose this so that you can finally come to grips with who I am and with who you are. And that's what he's doing with David when Nathan tells him, you did it secretly, but I'm going to make this happen to you publicly. The world around you, it will be exposed there because you have decided to continue to go on in your life, David, not dealing with the world within you. Come on, I want you to really examine yourself. I want you to really examine your personal power. And I want you to think about this. How is the world within you? Because it will give evidence to the world around you. You know that David is not the only individual in Scripture that this happens to. It happens to many. You know that Judas had to be exposed. You know... All throughout Scripture, Abraham had to be exposed. All throughout Scripture, all these great men and women, God was dealing with them and dealing with their inner world. I want you to really, as we close, examine that. I told you I would close if we had time, and I'll do it, with Romans chapter 15, Paul's very own words. 
I'm going to read from the Holman Christian translation. In Romans 15, verse 15, I'm going to repeat it. Paul says this. For I do not understand what I'm doing because I do not practice what I want to do. But I do what I hate. Look what he continues to say. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree with the law that it, that it is good. So now I'm no longer <clears throat> the one doing it. But it's the sin that lives in me. I want you to look at the words here. Because <clears throat> Paul's talking about a world inside of him. He says that there's actions in his external world. Please listen to look at Look at the scripture. Because their sin is in, in his internal world. So there is a power struggle in Paul's life. Just like there was a power struggle in David's life. Just like there's a power struggle in our lives. And, and Paul is saying, <clears throat> I want to practice good, <clears throat> but I continue to practice that which is not good for me. And I recognize that it's not me that's doing it, but it's the very world within me. It's the sin that's living in, not out of me, in me. There was no one to blame for Paul's sin but himself, in me. Verse 18, for I know that nothing good lives in me. I mean, that is my flesh. Because actually he knows that the spirit, if that lives in him, then there's good in him. But he had to make sure so that we don't mess up our doctrine or we don't go whacked out in our theology. He needed to make sure that he was highlighting what he was talking about. I'm talking about my flesh. I know nothing good lives in that man. For the desire to do what is good is with me. How many of you could agree with Paul? For the desire to do what is good is with me. But look what Paul says. But there is no ability to do that which is good, to do it. For I do not do the good that I want to do, but I practice the evil that I do not want to do. Verse 19 repeats verse 15. Verse 20 now. If I do what I do not want, I'm no longer the one doing it. But it's the sin that lives in me. Again, I repeat that. I'm in a battle with myself. I'm going to struggle with myself. And I recognize that when I go opposite of that which I know I am supposed to do, I know that it's the world that lives within me that I'm giving power to rather than allow it to get healed. And, and, I, and I start to look at Paul's writing. I start to look at David's life. And I start to look at our lives. And I say, have you ever been here, like Paul is saying, in a place where you know you should not be at? Verse 21. So I've discovered this principle, this truth. When I want to do what is good, evil is with me. For in my inner self, I joyfully agree with God's word, right? With God's law. But I see a different law in the parts of my body. Listen to what Paul says. It's waging war against the law of my mind. And it's taking me prisoner to the law of sin in the parts of my body. Thank you, Paul, for your honesty. Paul's like, there is this personal struggle. There is this power struggle within me. 
But he's about to release a positive personal power in a second. So it's taking me prisoner to the law of sin in the parts of my body. Love this, verse 24. What a wretched man I am. (laughs) What does your translation say? What a wretched man. Who will rescue me from this dying body? And then verse 25, he's not going to leave us hanging. Verse 25 says, "But I thank God. Because through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then, not in Paul, not in David's authority, not through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then, with my mind, I myself am a slave of the law of God, but with my flesh to the law of sin. He, he comes in verse 25 to highlight the person, to highlight the individual in which all of this can be solved in. And it's Jesus Christ our Lord right there in that person. I, I look at Paul's writing. I, I look at David's life. I read all throughout the scripture and I experienced in this walk and I've done life with people long enough to recognize that no one can't fool each other I can't fool you you can't fool me I could just try to but we all know deep down inside that there's all something that we all wrestle with I want you to just take a moment real quick and I want you yet another Sunday take this gift and treasure its value for a moment And I want you to search deep within your life. I want you to see if what you're causing is destructive. Is it destructive towards yourself, towards others? Or are you giving life to yourself and to others? Are you giving in to the negative personal power? Are you giving in to the world and to the life and to the things that are trying to destroy you. Every day we have to walk, or am I going to choose to walk in the Spirit? Or for a moment, will I decide, will I choose to walk in the flesh? I want you to really be honest with yourself. What are you pouring into yourself? What's the work that's happening within? Is, are you allowing God to do a work within you? Are you like David? And maybe you're right here at this place and you're saying enough is enough. I'm tired of looking. I'm tired of looking out of my balcony tired of planning and putting pieces together that I have no reason to be doing that I gotta be broken and humble before the presence of God and just say Lord I I choose not to carry these things not for one more day but I come surrender to you so that I can act out so I can live out in purity and health 
because of the work, the purity and health of the world within me that you are doing. I want you right there to just be honest. Where are you? Are you in a place where you have no reason in which you should be in? And how is it working out for you? How many of you right now need to run from that place and get back to the place where God has asked you to be and say, I openly come before you and give this to you so I will no longer hide this in the secret. I give all of this to you within me so that you could begin to bless my life even around me. Come on. Your own personal power struggle. How is your health? Where are you standing right now? I invite you just to pray for a little bit. We haven't done this in a very long time, but we're going to close. If you feel you need prayer, You say, I just need someone to come around me and to be a positive and to just release positive power. The, the Holy Spirit, just to release the words of Scripture, to release the power of the Holy Spirit, just to come in agreement with me and say, Holy Spirit, come. Word of God, come and do a work. I come with you with all these things that, that it would be productive and healthy and, and well, that that I could deal with these power struggles and give in to the positive ones and, and to really allow the Holy Spirit to lead and not continue to entertain the things that are going to destroy me. Lord, I'm going to start winning the world within me. I just want to come along some people and pray for these things. If that's you and you need to just cry that out, I'm going to ask you, don't worry about who's around. If you want to come up here and get on your knees, come and get on your knees and separate yourself and say, I'm, I'm going to take these steps. I'm going to ask God just to continue to do that work in me. But right there where you're sitting, where you're standing, whatever you're going to do, I want you to open up your heart. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with God. If you want to stand in this moment, you can stand. If you want to get on your knees, you can get on your knees. But I want you right now just to spend a moment with God. Look at the gift he's given you. Be honest with him and say, Lord, there's nothing that I could hide from you. I need to work. I, I need you to do the work within me. Let me get the help that I need. Let me open up in the way that I need to open up. Let me deal with the world within me so that I can start winning the world around me. I give this to you right now, Lord. Come on, just spend a moment there in prayer. And we'll close up in a second. Hallelujah.
willing to maybe grab a hold of that person next to you and maybe just pray into their lives maybe find someone if you're not around someone and speak life into them speak strength into them speak his word into them Spirit, that you would lead them, direct them, that the word of God would be planted in their lives. That in the struggle that they're in, in the power struggle that they face, that they will have victory over those things. That you would put someone in their lives that they could cry to. That they would come before you and fully just open up that they would be fully healed, that you would give them the strength to be a continual overcomer, conqueror, that they would go from victory to victory, that they would learn in life that they are not perfected, but that they are in the, they're on the road of sanctification, they're on the road of perfection. Today's road of perfection is better than yesterday. Today's moment of sanctification is greater than last year's. Because we're on this journey. Just like David. Just like Paul. Just like so many that we read in scripture. Just like so many brothers and sisters. We're all on this journey. And none of us and none of them are perfect. But Lord, our aim is to continue to grow in the perfection. Our aim is to continue to allow the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit. May you do that for my brother. May you do that for my sister. Come on, begin to pray that over them. That Lord, they will continue to conquer that body of flesh. The sin that sometimes will rise up within them. That passion that becomes a fire to their gut. That Lord, you would cause them to have victory over those things one day at a time. That they would give great testimonies of the beautiful, victorious work of the Lord. That they would not show and be filled with legalism with religiosity but winning the world within deals with humility with being honest with ourselves because no man and no woman is perfect in this place no man and no woman has figured it all out but like Paul says it's Jesus Christ our Lord then I've come to realize as Paul says that the law of the flesh is sin. But I know your law and the law of the spirit. Lord, it's holiness, it's righteousness. So Lord, we pray that for I pray for the one that needs to be broken that they would be broken. The one whose heart has been hardened that it would be softened right now. The years of carrying the burden, 
the years of carrying the weight, the years of maybe carrying the sin, right now, Lord, shatter it through this prayer right now in Jesus' name. Let there be wholeness. Holy Spirit, fill. Holy Spirit, fill. Holy Spirit, fill.